Mm, nothing says hump day like having me on you. <laughs> now, here's the weird thing that you and I have going on right now is uh, we were talking. I know two, what that is. Well, we had. Uh, we're both going to claim we made love for an hour and ten minutes early Sunday morning. No, no, no. That that and was not. If we not do it at one fifty five, we will be factually correct. <laughs> 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 Already looking at springing ahead for this. Uh, what's your thought on daylight? Yes, sir. What is your thought on daylight saving time? This is something we have. Well, because the North Dakota legislature brings it up, up all the time here, they, that, that they mm-hmm. want to do away with it. They say, well, we want to – two years ago I laughed because they were like, well, we just want to stay on central time. So we don't want to move ahead. And I said, well, you have to move ahead if you want to stay on central time. Right. And they looked at me You'll like – You'll be mountain for right. half the year. <laughs> and they, I'm sitting there – unless the whole country decides not to spring – forward or fall back, you're going to be in different time zones. And I, I tell you, there was one of the most baffling things to the folks I tried to, well, I just want to remain in one time zone. I said, well, then you're going to have to spring ahead and fall back. That's just the way it is. So and now the, the yeah, state you can't teach stupid. <laughs> well, see, I, I love, I love daylight savings time because when the clock goes ahead an hour in March, it has absolutely no impact on me. But when it falls back in the fall, that's during Viking season, and I'm like an extra hour of sleep in the middle of Viking season? Yes, please. Yeah. Well, here's the thing for me. It's more of a logistic thing for me because if you're not going to do anything, I would not fall back, right? Because I have this argument with a few people is I'd much rather have it be – you know, daylight until 10 o'clock in late June, early July, and then – you know, if if you didn't want to fall back, okay, so it's a little bit lighter till what five fifteen or something in December. Okay, mm-hmm. I can handle that, but it's going to be dark until like ten o'clock in the morning. Right. So, right. But, I mean, there is a there and, is a reason that we do this, and surprisingly, the reason for the institution of daylight savings time was for farmers. Right. They had kids that were in school during the uh, spring and during the fall, typically when you're planting and when you're harvesting. And we used to be what was, you know, what would be the time that we're in right now where the sun comes up at what, seven and goes down at six right yeah. now or six thirty and six. And they switched it from the spring to the fall because it gave them more time at night when the kids were in school because back then, you know, everything was a family farm, and it didn't matter if you were six, seven, eight years old. You were well, you went to school, and then you went home, and you went to work. So uh, these millennials with their phones yipping and crying about how tough they got it, it's like, not so fast, my friend. Yeah, you have to milk cows before and after school like some of my friends did. That's I, right. That's yep. a- yeah, I had a friend, yep, and, a friend who would get up at 5 in the morning, go to school, then he'd go to football practice go home and milk some more. I just thought, oh, my goodness. I, and I'm complaining about what? Really? Seriously? Ugh. And, you know, that's the reason when you go back and you look in a lot of families, you know, you may only have two or three kids in your immediate family, but you go back one or two or three generations and everybody had six, seven, eight kids. And the reason being is they were farmhands. Yep. They were free labor. You know, and it's, you know, it's it's sad to say that people made decisions to have kids because you needed more help on the farm, but that was a reality back then. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. John, well, who knew we'd be talking history? Well, you know, it's, it's you know, <laughs> right now it's uh, talking about springing ahead, falling back in the weather, right? So 
I, I apologize because they're saying that this weather pattern might head south of us, which is good for us. But then that means it's going to go right to you down the uh, you know St. Cloud Twin C- Cities area. So I, yeah. I apologize for what I'm wishing for right now. Well, you know the the sad thing is is as bad as this winter has been. I this thing started snowballing on me about a week ago. I got a buddy who's a, a DNR guy up in northern Minnesota, and he said that they are already in the like DEFCON four range of preparing that the worst may be yet to come when all this melts, because we have the combination that we didn't have a ton of snow when we had that polar vortex where it was so cold for two weeks and the ground is frozen, literally depending on where you're at, the ground is frozen between 55 and 65 inches into the ground. And if we get, a couple days where suddenly it gets really warm or you get a really severe rainstorm that knocks that snow down, there is going to be nowhere for it to go other than outward, upward, and into the river system. It's not going to, or lakes, it's not going to uh, uh, just melt into the ground like it typically does. We are Cutting new ground here, my friend. How, how much snow did you guys get in February? Oh, we get plenty. So, yeah, we are already talking. Flood forecast comes out tomorrow. So, oh, yes. Yeah, so uh, oh, cross your fingers. Yeah, we got the old. Uh, now, we've built up, obviously, since, you know, 96, 97, and 2009, you know, since those two floods. And, and so the Red River, we knock on wood or hoping will be Hope. okay. But right, it's just uh, we, we've been down this but road this before. this is a... You know, I, I hate to use the term perfect storm because it makes it sound like it might be something positive when it's not, but we've never had a combination of frozen ground and being dumped on snow this late yeah. in the season before it gets warm. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed for you guys because you've, you know, you've had a history and you've learned from each one, but if you have something that's unprecedented, there may be some uh, finger crossing and uh, churching up needed. Yeah, if we go to 30 degrees to 70, which can happen in late March, early it's April, that's uh, been known to happen. That is a little problematic, that is for sure. John Holler with us, one of our frequent guests here on Couch Potato Radio on KFGO, talking all about a lot of things as Thank we you. always like to do. Yes, well, that's that's why we're so well versed here on this show, talking you know sports, yes. politics, pop culture, and all that. But we are kind of getting to that Grammys, season. The Oscars. Yeah. The <laughs> it, we are in that crazy season right now of a speculation. All these other websites throwing out trade possibilities, all that. I mean, are some of these trade possibilities that are being thrown out there? I, I always question giving away, uh, you know, some talented guys that you've developed just for cap room. I mean, there's got to be some other ways to get cap room. What's your take on some of these things that have been thrown out? Yeah, there? I think a lot of it is just clickbait. Uh, the Vikings don't have a much of a history of trading their own. Uh, and especially Zimmer would, he gets rid of players. He covets kicking and screaming baby right. style. And the, you know, basically Spielman, the GM has kind of taken the approach of, we're not going to be like green Bay or Pittsburgh who says we don't sign free agents with any real regularity. We build through the draft. He's a strong proponent of building through the draft, which is why, you constantly see him making trades so he can get extra picks, you know? So you end up with 10 guys. And if you look at his history, 
he's, you know, we've discussed this before on the air in previous incarnations that, uh, he has seemingly no ability whatsoever to evaluate quarterbacks, whether he was here or whether he was in, uh, Miami when he was there trying to find the replacement for Dan Marino for years, you know, the jury is still out on Kirk cousins. I think, uh, you well, now were you in favor of Cousins when they signed him to that fully guaranteed three year deal? No, or were you kind of hesitant? Because I was against it strongly. I was. I've I, never thought of Cousins as being more than a middle of the middle of the road quarterback in the NFL. I thought it was a, a silly decision made by people who like fantasy football numbers. The, the, okay, the there people, you go. the people who like it, like fantasy football because they. They'll throw yep. out stats to me. They'll say, oh, my goodness, 400 yards and three touchdowns. I said, I don't play fantasy football anymore. I think that Did would he win. Yeah, he, can't, he doesn't. One, one of the biggest the biggest criticisms, some of the biggest arguments I get in, I don't know if you agree with me on this, John, is, yes, the offensive line is not great for the Minnesota Vikings. There's no question about that. They need to improve. But if you look at some of the highlights of Case Keenum the year before with much of the same characters, just a little thing like stepping up into the pocket to avoid a sack is a big deal, and that was his oh, yeah. criticism back in Washington: is if you're not going to make your life of a of a Mike Remmers or you know any of those guys uh, any better if you're just going to stand there like a statue on a seven foot drop. No good quarterback does that. And I think we saw about late November, early December, the cracks starting to form where you would see. Thielen and Diggs starting to bark back at him. Right. Where it's, you know, okay, we're doing our job on this play. You have to do yours. And, you know, as hard as it is to explain what makes a quarterback like Russell Wilson great and what made Case Keenum really good in this system is, and what makes Aaron Rodgers a Hall of Famer, is every little half a second or a second that you can buy in the pocket is another second where coverage can break down and you can complete a pass for a first down or a big gain or a touchdown. And Cousins just doesn't seem to do that. But back to your original question about uh, the Vikings looking to make a bunch of trades of veteran guys for picks, I, I don't see that unless there's players that they are just fed up with. And I don't see any of the names that are being thrown out there as those guys. You know, I mean, the I think the biggest splash off-season move that the Vikings are going to make, and it's purely a business decision, is I am convinced that they're going to, at some point, release Everson Griffin. Yep, I think that's a... Well, and the whole bar situation is something we speculated for a while, right? <laughs> they, they just may agree mm-hmm. to, you know, decide to divorce, right? And, and it might work out better well, for both of them? He, he may be back. He may come back, because uh, the... I think what he's going to find out, because, you know, as hard as it is to say in the here and now, the NFL has changed a lot in the four years that Anthony Barr has been in the league. I think we have seen the, uh, the term, you know, it used to be what you would call a tweener, which, okay, he's too small to be a defensive end in a 4-3, and he's too big to be an outside linebacker in a 3-4, because he just doesn't have the coverage skills. but what we're seeing now is the term edge where a guy is an edge rusher. Well, an edge rusher can be a monster like Jadevian Clowney An edge rusher can be a smaller speed guy like Khalil Mack. The two of them have almost nothing in common as far as their playing styles and their skill sets, 
but they're both edge rushers. Anthony Barr is a 4-3 outside linebacker. So you're basically taking the three, you know, if you look at a weakness on Anthony Barr, it's coverage. Right. And the outside linebacker, if you're pigeonholed into a 4-3, the market for you has been reduced by almost half of the teams that are going to have a legitimate interest in paying you big money long-term. And over time, an outside 4-3 linebacker does not have the cachet that an outside 3-4 linebacker has in terms of uh, commanding $15 million a year for a four- or five-year deal. I would not be at all surprised if Anthony Barr signs a deal that is somewhere in the neighborhood of four years and 45 mil with better than half of it guaranteed. And if that's the case, if his number stays at about 11 million, I think the Vikings could be players. That's interesting because I think if I was his camp, I would be looking at trying to go to a three, four team. Am I wrong there? No, no. But I think the perception has been because when he was drafted, I remember that was the first time Zim snapped at me was <laughs> I, you know, it, it wasn't the last, but it was the first was I'm like, you know, don't you, when you were evaluating Bard, didn't you, you know, cause he, he had made the comment that he didn't think he was still going to be on the board. And I'm like, well, didn't you think that he was better suited to play in a three, four? And he snapped at me saying, who told you that? that he's better in a three, four. And I'm like, well, uh, Oh God, who's the, the loud mouth who just got signed as the GM. Mike for Mayock. The or, for yeah. Mike Mayock. Yeah. Well, it turns out Zimmer was Bobo's with Mayock. And he said, Mayock said, yeah, he'd fit in your defense. And then right after the pick Mayock is on NFL network saying, cause we're, we're watching it in the field house. Cause they obviously the, the Vikings would not put ESPN on in the field house. They put uh, uh NFL network on. And Mayock is saying, well, Barr's a great athlete, but I think he'd be a better fit in a 3-4. <laughs> the same guy who Zim, 10 minutes later, says said he agreed with him that he was a great fit for a 4-3, or his 4-3 anyway. But yeah, it's not out of the realm to think that he is open to being a 3-4 outside linebacker. But I think a lot of teams are going to say, ah, he's a 4-3 guy, and there's nothing we can really do to break him of that. Because an outside linebacker in a 3-4 has a much different job description than an outside guy in a 4-3. Yeah, it's interesting because you know if they are going to sign to that, they are going to have to make some moves. And You brought up the Everson Griffin thing, which I do think is a big possibility. But I thought it was ironic that all these websites are throwing out the cornerbacks' uh, names. You hear Xavier Rhodes, could he be traded? Or you know the, the Trey no. Waynes, and, and I, I just laugh at that. Because they drafted Hughes last year and went to the coach say you can't have enough cornerbacks. You know what? He was right because they lost two. So why would right. they start trading away guys? I mean, come on. I mean, that that just that seems so unzim like that he'd want to trade away any of his corners. I, I just laugh at the whole notion <laughs> of it. I, I've seen the Trey Waynes thing, and Waynes is a guy who has the athletic ability, but in his own way, he reminds me and in, in that, you know, this is first world stuff, you know, so I'm not saying anything about him as a player. Okay. I'm saying it as a person that you meet and you talk to in the locker room. <laughs> he seems to be a guy who really loves the idea of being an NFL player, kind of like how Cordero Patterson was up until his final year with the Vikings, that 
He loves all the trappings and the money and the fame and the adulation of being an NFL player. But I just don't think he has that fire to be the first guy in the building and the last guy out and put in the extra effort to get better. I think he's just satisfied where he's at. And if anyone was to get traded, I would think it would be him because Zim just has a hard time tolerating that. And you saw when he came in all entitled and grabby from Michigan State, Terrence Newman never lost his job. You know, Trey got on the field, but Terrence Newman was on the field all the time, whether it was playing in the slot or playing on the outside and putting Wayne on the, Wayne's on the sidelines. So he's not, he's a Zim guy to a certain extent, but he's not like a Harrison Smith or uh, uh, Eric Kendricks, a guy who just completely buys into Zim's system and would run into a brick wall for him. It's interesting because one of the reasons I liked Trey Wayne's last year is I didn't hear from because a lot of people say, well, he doesn't get many interceptions. And I said, well, it's the same reason Xavier Rhodes. It's, if you don't hear from the corners a lot, that's probably good news, right? He's, do, you're, he's doing his job and he's forcing the quarterback to look somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, that's the job. Yeah, a lot, a lot of times being a non, I mean, how often would you hear about Daryl Rivas? And when they tried him, then you heard about him. Right. Because then he'd pick off. But there would be games where, you know, it's kind of the Deion Sanders complex where, okay, we're just going to lock you down on that spot, and if you want to throw there, you're going to do so at your own peril. But there would be times you wouldn't hear Daryl Rivas's name, but at the same token, you wouldn't hear about the wide receiver who was he was assigned to cover. You know, it's like, wow, you know, I mean, just throwing out a name like Antonio Brown, boy, Antonio Brown only caught three passes for 30 yards. Yeah, that's because they he went to Rivas Island and he didn't like what the uh, – what the climate was there. <laughs> exactly. I guess another secondary guy that we should talk about because he makes you know money I think they'd like to maybe spend somewhere else is Andrew Sandejo. Is that uh, no longer yeah, seen? He gone. Yeah. <laughs> That's over. There is, he is a – he's a cancer in the locker room. He's a player who just can't uh, – has, you know, all the other players who have been forced to adjust, you know, and a guy like Harrison Smith has said, there are times where I've caught myself coming in and, and he's like, it's hard to explain because it's an instant that it's happening where he's closing in on a guy and he's like, I can't hit him high. And so somehow he has been able to set off an internal alarm that says, don't drop your helmet on him. Don't hit him high. Don't hit him out of bounds. Don't do what you have made your living doing since you were in high school. Right. Sandejo just does not have that gear. And, you know, the funny thing is, is if you get him alone, he's got a great sense of humor, but he is moody. He is pissy. And, you know, he made some headlines uh, this summer by going around practice on a, on a regular basis wearing a hat that said, uh, make football violent again. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I remember seeing and that down at Eden Prairie or it, down in Egan. Yeah. Yeah. It just rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and his value, you know, cause he is, he's a really good, uh, stopgap guy, you know, where if you, if he was your third safety and you had an injury, you could put him in with confidence and know that he would do his job. But, as a starter, especially a guy making five million a year, there you you can literally find guys like that on street corners. And I think when he went down 
the safety position got better, actually improved because they were getting uh, more production and uh, more playmaking from J. Ron Curse, who really stepped up his game last year, and Harris as well. You know, I mean, you're talking guys who came in as replacements who now, if, if I'm ranking the safeties on the Vikings, I would have it Smith, Har- and, you know, Harris is free agent, but I have Smith, Harris, Curse, and then Sandejo fourth. And you're paying your fourth-round guy $5 million and change? I don't think so. Yeah. So Harris is he's he's out there, right? And so you think Curse is going to step up? I mean, because I think you know a lot's going to be put on the shoulders of the two kids from Clemson they drafted a few years ago. Oh yeah, yeah. And you know the thing about Curse is uh, I got a real chance to uh, get to know him better during the uh, preseason and during the during training camp, where you just get a guy off on the side and you and it's not just a, a group. Q and a, and it's not just a little, I'm walking with them to the locker room, a three, four, five minute interview. This was like, you know, 20 minutes, a half hour. And just asking him to explain his role as he sees it in Zim's defense, you know, cause when they drafted him, he is the second wave of the Dion Buchanan types where, okay, he's either going to be a giant safety or he's going to be an undersized linebacker. Well, the funny thing about the NFL is with the advent of the pass happy game more times than not, you only have two linebackers on the field at any given time. Anyway, in, in, in Zimmer's defense in a four, three, if you look at the number of plays that the Vikings had five D backs in the lineup at the same time, it literally, depending on the quarterback, it literally was 80%, 90%. Sure. Where Ben Gideon would be the starter at linebacker, but Gideon would literally be in on like nine of 70 plays only because the other 61 plays, they had five D backs in the game. And curse is one of those guys who it took him a little time to figure out where his role is in the defense. But once that light went on, I tell you what, he is something, he is something. And it wouldn't surprise me a bit if, even if Harris does come back, that he's going to have to fight for that starting job because Curse is going to uh, step up and everybody wants to be the guy playing next to Harry because he always makes you look better. But at the same token, when Harrison's on a receiver, a lot of times quarterbacks go, nope. And so you have to do your job at a high level covering that ground that he leaves behind when he's freelancing. So uh, it's just, and the funny thing it comes down to is like when you watch the combine and you'll see, a three cone drill or a short shuttle run. Those are the numbers that coaches and scouts look at the best because in the NFL, everybody's good. And one misstep leads to touchdowns. Uh, last thing for you, cause we'll talk about the draft as we get closer to, uh, you know, mid April or whatever, but you know, yeah, for- Kyler Murray is not the number one pick. <laughs> yeah, well. He may be the number one pick, but trust me on this. <laughs> it will be a pick. They regret. I don't get that one at all, but uh, you know, it's uh, how about the, you know, just that whole story with Arizona, right? Where you have a, a guy mm-hmm. who was fired from Texas Tech where he went to school in Kingsbury. Goes, yep. it, goes and becomes a consultant for, what was it, USC, right? Yep. And then gets hired as an NFL head coach. I've never heard anything like that before. That's no. craziness. It's The Cardinals are grasping at straws because they see that the Rams for the next 
two or three years are going to be really good. The 49ers have so much equity in available money to spend that they're a team that's viewed on the come up. Seattle hasn't gone away yet, and they are the little brother. You know, they're the what the Bears were in the in the NFC North for so many years here in recent vintage, or what the Browns were, where they're seeing we're not only fourth in the division this year, we could be fourth in the division next year and the year after that and the year after that. We need to do something. And I think they've seen that these athletic quarterbacks that they are finding ways to translate the college game to the pros. You know, Patrick Mahomes, if you remember, the Chiefs traded well up to get him. And it surprised some people. Deshaun Watson, the Texans traded up to get him. You had uh, uh, the Browns take Baker Mayfield, the previous Oklahoma quarterback. And I'm no fan of Baker Mayfield, but I had to be impressed with what he did last year. And he turned the worst team in the league, not into a playoff team, but he turned him into a team where now free agents are going, there's something going on here. I might want to be part of this as opposed to, Oh God, I got to sign with Cleveland. I'm just in it for the money. And the thing that I, that I find the hardest to understand is that the Cardinals actually traded up last year to get Rosen. And so you had to give up a third and a fourth round pick to move up like four spots or three spots and flip flop picks in the first round, because you wanted to make sure that this was your guy. Now, suddenly less than a year later, you know, the whole thing was, well, we're going to have Bradford be our starter. We're going to ease Rosen into it. That's always seems to be the plan and it never works out. And so Bradford is toast after three games. And now you're willing to use the first pick on another quarterback. (laughs) I mean, the value on Rosen, I don't think they'll get a second rounder for him because you're not dealing from a position of strength. No, not at all. You're dealing from a position of weakness where it's like, we kind of got to get rid of this guy. And what does it tell another team who's looking to take him that we've given up on the guy in one year because suddenly a prettier girl came to the dance? You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, yeah, you went there with your date, but all of a sudden the homecoming queen shows up and you're like, I'll be right back. And then you don't come back. Well, Larry Fitzgerald Jr. is, I mean, he just got to be going, and that's still up in the air, right? Come again? Larry Fitzgerald Fitzgerald Jr., I mean, that's still up in the air too, right? No, he he announced uh, uh, about a month ago that he is coming back for one more year. So he'll be there, and, you know, they're talking about that they're going to have a trade in place by Friday for Antonio Brown. And you know for a fact that Antonio Brown doesn't have any say in who uh, the Steelers trade him to. You know, I mean, they're not going to trade him to the Bengals. They're not going to trade him to the Ravens because that would be suicide. Arizona is one of those teams that's been mentioned in that mix. You know, now granted, it's all trying to read tea leaves as to, uh, you know, what teams are interested, what teams. The Steelers ideally want to get him out of – uh, the AFC, if they can possibly help it. You know, that's why when the Vikings traded Randy Moss, they had a better offer from Seattle for Moss, but they took the offer from Oakland because they said, eh, we want to get Randy as far away from us as possible, and we only have to play him once every four years. Let me ask you on that. John Holler with us from the Viking Update. You mentioned that Randy Moss trade, and because – 
you'll see some of these things, especially with Facebook, things get popped up quite a bit about the Herschel Walker trade. And I still say, mm-hmm. as bad as that was, you know, tr- you know, drafting Darren Nelson instead of Marcus Allen, that led you to the, you know, the Herschel Walker trade, right? I mean, those type of things. Yes, yes. Do you think that we don't talk about the Randy Moss trade enough? Because I, I think for an organization that went from having blackouts in the mid-'90s to selling out every game since '98, and, and what, what a figure he became here in the upper Midwest, to trade him for more or less Troy Williamson and Napoleon Harris – I mean, that right. was a big <laughs> bungle. And then you put the franchise in Dante Culpepper, and then you drop that plan two years afterwards. I, that, I, I mean, that was that probably doesn't get talked about enough as far as a big bungle. Right. But the problem that you had there was the Vikings were a good team. They had the personnel, but they were dying on the inside. Uh, Denny had two sets of rules. There was a set of rules for 51 guys. And there was a set of rules for Randy and Dante. Randy and Dante would have guests the night before games at the team hotel. Nobody else could get away with that. And there was resentment. And the only thing that uh, really got the Vikings off of square one was that they had diagnosed Randy with a foot injury that they said was going to be chronic and would only get worse and they were just starting on the heavy lifting of his contract. So you had a combination of a guy who was no longer Denny's guy because Denny was one of the best players coaches I've ever seen. But once they got into the 99-2000 realm, Denny became management, and he became the de facto GM. And so he went from being with us to being them as far as many of the players were concerned. And so when he saw this internal mutiny going on with the players, he was like, we're either going to lose half of our guys, either get rid of them or have them check out, or we got to get rid of Randy. And I think that was where that whole thing started from. And when... they traded like him during Seattle the and Oakland stepped up with you know top ten pick for him. You're going, hey, equity is equity, and we've got damaged goods. We're moving. Now we saw what Randy did when he was in New England, but a lot of people forget what he did in Oakland. He was not special in Oakland whatsoever. No, but that what you said there with Denny, and it kind of carried over to Tice, right? Because he got traded during the Tice oh, yeah. era. And the, and yeah. t- you know, we had the whole thing with t- him walking off the field under the Tice era, I think, and that's where the snowball kind of started to roll. I think where yeah, well, but that was you know the the complaints against Randy were all so minimal. You know, I mean, it wasn't like the type of stuff you had Ray Lewis accused of, or God forbid, right. so many other. I mean, even a guy like Sheldon Richardson, you know, driving 140 on a freeway in St. Louis with a gun in the car and a kid in the back seat running from the cops, you know, Randy <laughs> never had anything like that. Cause I remember talking with Fred Zamberletti about, cause Fred was walking with Randy as he was leaving the field. There were two seconds left in the game and they were attempting an onside kick. If the ball gets touched, whoever touches it, those two seconds are going to come off the clock. If it's untouched and goes out of bounds, it's not your ball. So there was really no way for Randy to get on the field. The only on that particular play, the only way that the Vikings would, uh, uh, have been able to have to win that game 
would have been to have an onside kick that either hits someone and is now a live ball and gets advanced for a touchdown, or you pooch it into an area where nobody is because a, a kickoff is a live ball. So you can't, ad- you can't advance a muffed punt, but you can't advance a kickoff. And so that was the only way. And, and obviously, if you touched it, those two seconds would come off the clock. But those are the types of things that would get Randy in trouble. But the fans never ever lost their love for Randy Moss. I agree. It was the media that was against him. It was the front office that was like, he's making us look bad, but I still see at Vikings games, I still see 84s everywhere in the stadium. They may be faded and more lavender than purple, <laughs> but there are still plenty of people wearing those old Randy jerseys. They look more, like the pa- yeah, more like a painted Easter egg uh, type of thing that we're getting ready right. for here in a exactly. month. Exactly. Uh, more, more of a soft pastel yeah, right. than, a, than a hard purple. <laughs> very true. Well, that's a nice thing to end with on Ash Wednesday. We can talk about Easter a little bit. That's very good. There we go. All right, John. Thanks so much for your time. As always, always do appreciate it. We'll talk to you again in a few weeks as we get closer and closer in the midst of free agency and look more and more at the draft. And be a champion late Saturday night, my friend. All right. Sounds good. You take care, <laughs> my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Jump forward.